What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking about Ben Affleck and his farewell to the Batman character and his experience working as the Batman character, working on the Justice League set. He opened up a lot over this past week. I think he has an upcoming project coming out. So he he spoke a lot about his time as Batman, uh, which he says is coming to an end after his appearance on The Flash. So we'll give you guys his comments on that and what he expects to see from the Batman for the future. We'll also be talking about a a big kind of uh, media news we had dropped last week with the CW reportedly being up for sale as Warner Media apparently turning in no profits for that channel and now looking elsewhere to see if they could uh, somehow get some bread for that. And, and I'm very curious to hear what my guys got to say and, and what do you feel that means for some of those DC shows we've seen on that channel for the last, uh, I guess at this point, almost 10 years at this point. And then uh, we'll wrap the show talking about some some good news. You know, the CW news may be a little bit sour for some fans, but the, the good news regarding a reprisal of a show, uh, X-Men 97, the animated series, of course, the reboot of the X-Men the animated series from Fox, a very familiar and legendary voice will be making a return presence on the show. So we're going to be talking about that. So it's a great show for you guys, man. Really excited to be here. Joining me on my co-host, starting with Shamari Stewart. And Sham, it's important we, mo- we point out, too, that James Gunn's Peacemaker series debuts this week on HBO Max. That, of course, is the spinoff series to Gunn's summer 2021 flick, The Suicide Squad. Uh, there will be three episodes released on Thursday. Early reactions to the show have been mostly positive at this point. Sham, what are some of your hopes and expectations for Peacemaker? Um, well, Peacemaker, and I feel like I, I probably said this before, but I'm very much looking forward to Peacemaker. I have pretty, um, I wouldn't say very high expectations, but I, but I, I am expecting it to be a very good show. Um, you know, I like John Cena. I thought he, I thought the Peacemaker character was very funny in the suicide squad and i mean it just seems like a, a funny fun show that i will definitely enjoy watching so um uh, so yeah i'm expecting good things i'm seeing uh some positive reactions mm-hmm. uh, from people who had seen it i know we're getting the first three episodes apparently yeah um they're all gonna drop so that's very exciting and encouraging they're not they're not holding anything back um so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it'll be fun. All right. So, Shamari says he's sure it'll be fun. Kendall, what is your take on uh, the the the, uh, the 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 debut of Peacemaker that we expect to see this week? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Peacemaker is interesting. Um, they've, I, you know, I, I don't think they've done a tremendous job marketing it. Um, I don't think that they've, I don't think they've put a lot of, real effort into that to begin with but um but i think that this is a show that actually could be very good um i don't know if i expect it i mean james gunn is is producing it so it could be very similar to to, to suicide squad but i almost vent the suicide squad but i almost venture to think that it'll it'll be different um and whether or not it being different than the suicide squad in terms of format and style is that if that's a good thing, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. as big of a fan as most people with The Suicide Squad. Um, I thought it was a good movie, but, you know, I thought, you know, it wasn't necessarily my kind of movie necessarily. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, how Cena does as Peacemaker. Uh, I liked his I liked his, his portrayal in The Suicide Squad. 
Uh, but his character is very brash. You know, his character is a lot. You know, it's, it's not a not an understated character. This is going to be a very, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like we talk about cartoons where it's like you take the you take the 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 the, the Patrick Star character, you take mm-hmm. the Sheen from Jimmy Neutron character, right. you take that that you know that side character, and you try to make them the 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 main character, the comedic side character. You try to make them the main character. Can you make a show? based off of that comedic character. Um, like Kramer, I don't know if they, if they made a Kramer show from Seinfeld, I don't know. But if you ever did, would it ever work? I don't know. Right. So that's the that's the question about Peacemaker, is can you make a show about such a ridiculous character mm-hmm. and make it work? That's gonna, that's what we'll see. Um, so far, the trailers and everything that I've seen have been enjoyable, um, but it looks different. So that's that's going to be my uh, that's going to be my question. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair um, thing to ask. Is you know, can a character like Peacemaker stand as the as the kind of sole main character moving forward? But John Cena was just so great in 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 the Suicide Squad as this uh, Christmas Smith Peacemaker character. So I'm willing to give him a shot. Um, I think the fact that Gunn is he wrote I believe he wrote every episode. I think he's directing uh, at least four or five of these episodes for this season. So, you know, the, whatever worked in that Suicide Squad show, I expect to be kind of brought into this series. And I really enjoyed his portion of the show, excuse me, of that movie. So I'm excited to see how they, they incorporate him um, in a full-length series. The one thing I did see that I thought was interesting was that, you know, I agreed with someone's take that what kind of made Peacemaker so great and kind of what made his character whole in that movie was kind of how they tied in his character at the very end and his kind of very um perverted kind of look at justice in america and tying it in the way they did at the end really brought his character home and a lot of this first three episodes that i saw from the reactions were kind of leaning more and kind of like the comedic aspect of his character which is very strong but you know i, I do hope that they do kind of still kind of bring that kind of moral question about this person and where they stand and they don't necessarily lose the teeth that um that that the that the, I thought the suicide squad kind of gave him when you got to see that you know those final scenes with him uh fighting bloodsport you know so i uh or rather it wasn't bloodsport who was he fighting that last scene um uh before, you know oh, uh, rick flag rick flag there you go yeah his scenes where rick flag were were just um stunt outstanding i thought the best scenes in the movie so you hope that they can kind of bring some of that aspect in it too so far first three episodes i heard there really wasn't much of that from one of the few people i saw that had some critiques but i'm still excited to see this show and this is uh dc's what is it their second uh foray into adrian chase vigilante on television you know he had the arrow (laughs) vigilante and we're gonna have another uh vigilante character on this show so um so we'll see what happens but that show Peacemaker on HBO Max Thursday. Make sure you check it out. The first three episodes are dropping. Curious to see what you guys think. We'll definitely probably be talking about it at some point in this podcast as well. But let's begin the rest of the show. And let's talk about Ben Affleck. So um, the actor opened up this uh, opened up about his terrible time working on Justice League and the end of his run as Batman. And speaking with the Her- the Herald Sun, Affleck praised DC's upcoming film, The Flash, for the direction it takes with his character. He said the movie contains some of his favorite scenes in terms of Batman and the interpretation of Batman and adds that, quote, a really nice finish on my experience with the character. 
Meanwhile, in an interview with the LA Times, he expanded on his time playing Batman. Affleck explained that his personal problems combined with his divorce, the death of Zack Snyder's daughter, and all the reshooting that con- uh, that they had to do for that film that was directed, of course, by Josh Whedon, contributed to what he called a, quote, awful experience. He later explained his decision to drop out of directing and starring in his own version of the Batman movie, adding that he realized he was, uh, quote, not going to have fun completing the project, and that, quote, the person who does it should love it. So, Kendall, Ben Affleck's connection to the Batman character has been a hot-button topic for many years, really since he's been cast. While many have clamored for him to remain Batman and Bruce Wayne, obviously, in some capacity, how do you feel his explanation for leaving will play out for these fans, many of whom have still been saying that he should have his own corner of the DC universe? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that these fans, um, I think that this is definitely, if you're a DC uh, this is good for you because you gotta love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta love it because it's hard to want something for someone that doesn't really want it that much themselves. Um, and so, if Ben Affleck isn't really clamoring to to, to be Batman, and in fact, is kind of relishing and not having to, uh, you know, be under that burden, um, it's hard for his fans to then, you know, push, push and push and push for him to be that guy. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, it's I'm glad to see Ben Affleck doing well. You know, obviously, you know, we we definitely, you know, we we covered him pretty closely oh, yeah. during uh his his run as Batman and it was a it seemed like it was a tough it was a tough time. Um yeah. it was not necessarily fun. It felt sometimes very very tabloidish. You know, some of the stuff, you know, that <laughs> that was being reported about him, but um, you know, I watched an interview he did a little bit of an interview he did with Bill Simmons on The Ringer, uh, talking about some of his movies and whatnot. And he seems he seems to be, you know, a lot more uh he seems to be in a better place, uh, is what I'll say. And Definitely. um so yeah, it's good to see. Uh and it, it sounds like he's very excited about the way his character kinda goes out, you know, is the way his character the 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 cert the, the arc of his character is closed. Um how that how that happens, we don't really know. Uh, will they kill off Bruce Wayne? I, I don't think so. But mm-hmm. um, will it be similar similar to what we saw from uh, Christian Bale? You know, or is it just you know he's out there, but he's just not. They just don't talk about him. You know, there, there's plenty of different ways they can go about it. But uh, it doesn't sound. He sounds like he's a guy that knows he's never going to really play Batman again, and he's content with that. So happy for him, and glad he's doing well. All right, so so Kendall's happy for him. Shamari, of course, I always like to you know reference that you know you you enjoy a lot of Zack Snyder's films, and a lot of Zack Snyder's fans have clamored for you know to to you know restore the Snyderverse and to um, you know make uh, you know the Batman on HBO Max with you know <laughs> with uh, with Ben Affleck. You know that was the the word we were hearing after uh, Zack Snyder Justice League dropped last year. How do you feel that contingent will take these comments from Ben Affleck, him saying that, you know, this was not going to be a fun experience for him moving forward as Batman and that he's content with where the Flash is going to leave his character? Um, I mean, I mean, you got you got to take it as what it is. Um, you know, the few kind of Snyder people that I follow have said, oh, I loved his Batman. You know, some said it'll always be my favorite Batman. Mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing else you really you can say. I didn't see any hate, at least from the people I, I, I you know, follow yeah. a few people. I didn't see any hate for Pattinson or anything that's going on now. I actually saw some people saying, hey, I'm really actually looking forward to that, too, because it looks right. more similar to the Batfleck Batman in terms of the intensity and the, and the fighting and, and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, you kind of just have to take it for what it is. It's kind of sad to, to see. Um, you know, you wouldn't wish that on Affleck and, you know, like you guys are saying, you know, he doesn't want to do it. And that kind of shuts that down. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, there's nothing else yeah. to really be said. So, you know, um, it does make you more excited to see him in the flash with see him kind of hyping that up. And this honestly got me looking more at Snyder than not at Snyder at uh, Whedon <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, man, Whedon. I mean, which I mean, this kind of just adds to that whole thing. Which I know you guys are saying DC likes this. I don't think they like that particularly. That's true. That uh, is true. Because I mean, he just it just adds to the long, long <laughs> list of things at this point. Yeah. Showing yeah. how, well, that, how that, curse, that curse project. Yeah. Yeah, just how, how awful. Uh, he is or was um, allegedly, I guess. So, <laughs> right. so I mean, you know, it's just uh, it kind of is what it is. I, I, you know, I wish the best for Ben Affleck. I, I hope that this isn't the last that we've seen of him in this kind of genre. He seen. I think he's good. Um, I think he's good in in this genre, though. I know a lot of people didn't like Daredevil. You know, that movie had a lot of issues. I don't think Ben Affleck was the issue, but. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad to hear to to see this kind of stuff. Yeah, and and to and just to 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 give him his rope on the Whedon angle. I know he said he made a comment about how you know you know people keep saying oh Justice League was terrible. He said it could have been. He says it could have been any experience that all those things he had to go through would have made it hard. I'm sure dealing with Josh Whedon didn't make any of that easier, but he did point that out that just all those combination of all those things just made. And then having to do that movie just made it just all just really terrible, which I can understand, obviously. You know, we know he was going through a very difficult time personally. And, you know, we all know how much that cast really enjoyed and really loved Zack Snyder. So what Zack Snyder was going through, he says it affected him. And I, I believe him. I totally I totally believe that would impact uh, a cast and crew when you got your, your kind of your head coach or your leader. And, and he's going through some terrible tragedy the way Zack was at that time. So. So I agree. I echo you guys' sentiments that, you know, I'm happy for Affleck that he seems to be in a much better space and he's happy with how he is moving forward. I hope that for that contingent that has of, of Zack Snyder fans, and it's not it's not all of them. I'm not painting a broad brush here at all. But for that contingent that has been very loud about, you know, uh, shooting down anything that's not Ben Affleck's Batman or shooting down anything that's not a, a continuation of Zack Snyder's universe, something we talked about a little bit last week. I hope that this can kind of maybe be a true turning point for that whole agenda. Because one of the criticisms I had for Zack was I felt his his lack of communication or his, to me, very calculated, uh, ambiguous communication allowed for some of these um, I'm trying to be nice here. Some of those passionate, but sometimes very misguided portion of his fans to kind of wreak havoc on everyone on the internet. And to me, Ben, that's why I said DC's got to love this because, you know, Ben is, is putting the kibosh on any kind of idea that Zack Snyder, at least anything with Batman, it, it, that, that, that you can't do any of that stuff without Ben Affleck, clearly. So 
he's putting the kibosh on that. DC's got to love that because I thought the whole issue with doing the Zack Snyder Justice League was that it was going to do what it did. It was going to unleash this kind of, you know, fervor of fans saying that, wait, well, this was really good and this is what we always wanted. You can't give up on this. This is what we want. We don't want to see any of this other stuff you're going to do. Him saying that I'm not going to be Batman anymore really kind of just, you can't, like, to me, unless you're just completely an irrational person, I don't know how you come here and you, you find yourself to, to you, you fix your thumbs to tweet out something about, you know, restore the Batflix universe. Like, I don't know how you could do that when he's saying that I literally, I'm not having, I'm not having fun doing this. I'm not going to have fun doing this. If you care about him as a person and you care about him as a talent, you would want him to do something that he's passionate about. So I hope that from that standpoint, it puts the kibosh on it. Not because I, I don't want to see Zack Snyder stuff moving forward. I actually said on this podcast after the, the Snyder Justice I was like, man, I wouldn't mind if they tried to do something with this. I, I thought it created a, 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 a huge problem for them, clearly. But as a fan, I would have been curious to see what, what, how that would have continued. And, 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 and him to do this, I think, again, it just really helps out Hamada and helps out you know, the kind of the new brass that are really committed to this new vision they have for DC. One that is still not clear because we talked about their lack of communication and um, and lack of kind of concise messaging on what exactly they're trying to do. But nonetheless, we know that 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 aspect of the Snyder stuff is just not going to happen. So um, and then at the, at the, at the, it does make me, you know, curious about the Flash, obviously, you know, him him talking about that these were his favorite scenes. Uh, as Batman, I'm, that's certainly going to ruffle some feathers, maybe with some Zack Snyder fans as well. But uh, I feel like we still haven't gotten really a great feel for the Flash movie, other than that it's some kind of multiverse deal that will involve Michael Keaton and Supergirl. So there, there have been some contention whether or not Affleck was in this movie, which was weird to me because I was like, I thought Affleck being in it was something we learned very early on. So here, him confirming that he is in it and that he really enjoyed his time on it, it makes me uh, it makes me intrigued to see what they uh, what they end up doing with his character. Do you guys um, do you guys think that uh, Joss Whedon will ever do a superhero project again? No. no, no. I think I think I think he's I think he's I mean he, as you guys said he continues to be buried by everybody that works with him and. Yeah, he has. I mean, he has no chance to me of ever working for. I mean, so when we say superhero movies, I think we all think you know Marvel, DC. Typically, you'll think Marvel, DC. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I guess I, there I, are I, some 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 uh, third party. Yeah, third party stuff. Stuff that there's you know, some Hell, stuff Hell, that Hellboy, some, you know, Spawn. Yeah. I mean, there's some. But, and also, I, just properties that aren't that yeah. can be considered. You know, the boys. You know, or even like a Transformers. Stuff. Yeah. Kind of oh, yeah, yeah. Niche, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever see him on that level again. Right. I think that his name is too, it's tarnished by people that are too powerful at this yeah, point. Yeah, too many big. Yeah, too like, many. You could talk about you know Ray Fisher and him being blackballed, whatever's happening to him. Though I saw that he's in some, he's in some movie, uh, some black movie that I saw. That it looked, it looked kind of good. Some of the photo sets I was seeing. I have like to check period, it out. It's like a period piece. Um, I was kind of just, just to show support. <laughs> yeah, facts exactly, but. But um, but you know Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, I mean, these these are heavyweights in Hollywood. You know if they saying yo this dude is bad news, I, I just don't I don't think he has the cloud. And that goes beyond some of the other stuff he already had problems with. 
You know, we didn't, you know, he had, you know, uh, you know, he had some personal issues, and I don't want to get into, like, you know, tabloid stuff with what he, but he had some personal issues with his, yeah. you know, relationships and relationships with women that, you know, it wasn't any, it wasn't a Harvey Weinstein, but it was some, you know, some, some, it was, it was what it was. So, yeah. combine that with all this stuff, I just, I think, you know, sometimes your day just passes you when it comes to being uh, at the top of your game. You know, you know, sometimes you never know when your run is over when it comes to various different, you know, industries and mediums. I think Josh Whedon's run is over. You know, could he do some smaller projects, some projects that, you know, maybe not as many people are paying attention to? Sure, I could totally see that. But, there, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody that right now that's plus, that's like pro Josh Whedon. Like, nobody like Justice League. And even if you're not a fan of Zack Snyder, you hate it still what Josh Whedon did. So it's like there's no he has no he has no backing. And, you know, the Russo brothers kind of just like made us all forget about what he did for Marvel. So what's you know, he doesn't really bring much to the table for a movie studio to me to be at the helm of some major franchise. Yeah, 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 I agree. So that would that would surprise me. What are you going to say, Kendall? Yeah, no. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I yeah, I agree. I, I don't I would be very surprised. I mean obviously there's a lot more horror stories when it comes to the D C side than we hear with Marvel. But I feel like there's definitely some other stuff out there with, with him and Marvel as well. Um that would make me think that, you know, we won't really see him again. And you know, when they kinda moved on from him around the same time that uh, before, but, you know, they haven't really gone down that well since Ike Perlmutter left as well, left right. Marvel. So um, I would I would tend to I would tend to believe we won't see him again. I mean, you know, obviously he was supposed he was initially attached to Batgirl. So that's why that's that seems like, you know, his name is still out there. But even that was a while ago. So. I ground people. Well, you want to talk about just like a company just being like just completely tone deaf to like where their to just where they stand on certain things and how things turned out. The fact that you know, I forgot like the the Josh Whedon doing Batgirl thing was was that before Justice League came out? Was that after? That was after. That was after, right? It was definitely after. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not. I know I'm not tripping about that. Yeah. So I want to say before like the. Some of the controversies, right? Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely before the controversy and all was, that. But. Yeah, but it definitely came out. Yeah. So, but like, think about how like clueless you got to be as a as a as a company to have that terrible experience happen and think that no, us rehiring this guy is a good idea. Like that, like like we didn't know about these terrible allegations and stuff, but they did. Ray Fisher was coming to them saying, yo, fam, this this thing is messed up, or I didn't like this thing. Like, we know Gal Gadot didn't like some of those reshoots that they did. Like, these are things that they knew. We didn't know that many at the time, but they knew this stuff. And they went like, oh, yeah, no, we'll give him another job. Let him do Batgirl. Like, and I'm taking out the whole critical, you know, reaction to Justice League, because, you know, you could always explain something like that away. You could say, oh, well, he was trying to fix a movie that wasn't his, and, you know, even if I still think it's crazy, that is a little bit more understandable. You can't explain. You had all these complaints on the set of Justice League. We clearly see, at least you would clearly see, that it's a dumpster fire. And your thought was, let's get this guy 
a couple of million more dollars to make another <laughs> superhero movie. Like you would, have, they would have never done that had those allegations came out. So the fact that they even gave him the job is crazy to me. You know, it just it, it speaks to that again that the direction of that company at that time was so flawed. And you know, we'll see how they continue to move forward with uh, Walter Hamada at the helm. But it's just thinking about that Batgirl project, I was just like, that's right, he was supposed to do that, and that was despite the fact that they knew about all these complaints about his conduct on the set. You know, it's uh you know, it doesn't make sense to me. But um let's talk about staying with uh the, the DC Warner area of this industry. Let's talk about this kind of surprising news I saw last week. Um uh, Warner Media is reportedly interested in selling the CW, which is home to several DC shows like The Flash, Superman and Lois, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman and Stargirl. Despite the success of programs like Arrow, Riverdale, and Supernatural, The Hollywood Reporter says the channel never turned a profit since its launch following the elimination of the WB and UPN. The end of their streaming deal with Netflix has reportedly done considerable damage to the CW's bottom line. So the first question you may have is, what does this mean for the DC shows that are on the channel currently and any project that may be developing? Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, America's biggest broadcaster, Next Star is seen as the favorite to buy controlling stake into the network while receiving commitments from CW, CBS and uh, Warner Media to be primary program suppliers for the CW through minority ownership. That could, in theory, pave the way for these DC shows to continue and those other shows in development to move forward. Shamari, do you have any takeaways from the news about CW's impending sale and the lack of profits it's received since its launch? Because they centered their whole network essentially around DC content. But at the very least, it was a big foundation, a part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very big part of it. Um, I don't really know uh, what to make of this. Um, you know, you have a lot of people kind of, of course, the people that hate the shows are jumping to all this. Everything's a failure. They're all a failure. And, right. <laughs> and a lot of them are, I think. Well, I don't know. Some of them certainly are not doing as good as when they started. I think that you can say, um, which I think generally tends to be the case anyway, unless you're like really, unless you're just like a crazy show. Um, yeah. But um, so you can, at on some level, I guess, point to the quality. I think some of it is um just the deal that was made like you were saying ej with the like you said dude there was going to be a loss of profits to i guess netflix and mm-hmm. and um i remember when the cw started it was kind of a big shift and then all of a sudden you started getting all these new shows these new superhero shows and um even i was kind of like you know where's all this money coming from or just are they really making all this back right you know right. on some yeah. of these some of the shows that they were making um and, and the, uh, the Netflix deal is interesting because that was recent, fairly recent. Because mm-hmm. I remember you, I used to watch, I used to watch those shows on Hulu. Um, yep. And then they they made they made the Netflix deal where Netflix had these to rights to all these shows. Yeah. Uh, but they they wouldn't air them on Netflix until after the, the show would air. Yeah. So then obviously you had the CW app. That's sort of. For me personally, that was a a turning point in my engagement with the CW mm-hmm. because me too. 
you know, unless you wanted to use that stupid app and, you know, or unless you wanted to watch these shows live, um, it made it more difficult to watch these shows while they were going on. Mm-hmm. And if if we all had that same issue, there were clearly thousands of other other people around the world that probably had a similar a similar issue with the CW. And, and yeah, look like I'm sorry. And then that hurts that hurts the CW if their brand is hurt long term by this shift. It may have gotten them some quick money, but mm-hmm. and then also obviously that deal happened before HBO Max. HBO Max. Right. So now, it's now they now they just rope themselves into something that is competing against their own product. Yeah, and before, before Shan continues, I think an important note about the CW app because we've I think talked about it briefly on the show, but if you're not as familiar, I think it's important to understand. First of all, the functionality of it is absolutely horrendous. Whether you're using your phone, whether you're using your computer, or using it's a terribly uh, a, it's a, a terribly console. made app. It's, it's just a, it's just it's a, a bad app. It's a terrible <laughs> streaming app. Doesn't work very well full of commercials you don't even have a premium option to avoid commercials they don't put their whole library on there so it's not or even the whole season on there so let's say oh i'm behind four weeks yeah yeah yeah. okay i'm behind 10 episodes on flash it's not like i can just go to the app and okay i gotta live through commercials but i can still watch it you no, you've lost those shows you gotta now wait until the end of the season or find a place online i'm not gonna say where to go but find somewhere online where you can get those early season episodes in order to watch it and that was whole, as Kendall said, through this Netflix deal where the seasons would drop in their full totality after they aired on, you know, the CW. And the Hulu was great because Hulu, you know, the next day the show would be on Hulu if the episode, if you miss and one the entire episode. Season and the whole season would be on there. You wouldn't have to worry about, oh, I'm six weeks behind. I got to make sure I watch or else I'm going to lose episodes that I missed. So it was a just a disastrous, um, disastrous move from just a viewer experience standpoint. Them moving from Hulu, going exclusively to streaming Netflix. And then it got worse for their bottom line when they left Netflix to just put everything on their own app. Because now the bread that they were getting from Netflix is not coming in. And HBO Max is a brand new service. So, and you, now you're keeping the money in-house. You know? So, so you know, there's some business aspects to this that for the, very, you know, maybe there's other aspects of HBO Max that have been great for Warner Media, But for CW, it's been a complete disaster. So, Sorry, Shmar, you can continue, but I just thought that was important to kind of break down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the app itself is is not a good app. Um, and, you know, of course, there's a lot of buzz about just moving all these shows to HBO Max. Um, I mean, it's all in-house. It's Warner Media, Warner Brothers. Um, and, I, I mean, look, I would be fine with that, personally. I don't... Um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't have any issue just watch streaming everything, All American, Riverdale, uh, you know, all the other CW shows. Um, you know, I don't know what would be left on the network. I don't know what they what they what they would want to keep necessarily. But all the hero stuff, especially, yeah, sure, just move it all. You know, I had no issue moving all the stuff, from, uh, watching all the stuff from DC Universe on HBO Max. Um, and I haven't seen anything saying that HBO Max wasn't doing it well. It seems to be doing pretty well. Um, in terms of all these streaming services. So, so I, you know, I mean, I guess it is what it is, but, um, you know, it does point, I guess, somewhat to the quality, I suppose, of the shows. But um, I think it's also a lot of other things, honestly. I, I think I think it's a, a smorgasbord of a lot of different stuff. 
I think another issue that has faced the CW when it comes to the superhero product, because um, I'll be honest, I think, I mean, the superhero product from the CW, while it garners the easiest collection of fans, because you just, you have a built-in, you have a built-in fan base that of comic book fans that are going to watch for the most part, you're going to watch your stuff or at least be interested, at least be intrigued by anything that you come out with. But I don't even know if like, like in terms of fan base morale, I would, I, I would almost wonder if some of their other, their non DC stuff has actually been more popular than the DC stuff. Um, I know I would assume a lot of their DC fans have actually been a little, uh, a little down on some of the stuff they've come out with recently uh, over the last two or three years. Um, but what I will say is that what I think's hurt them is that with their DC brand, I think there is a little bit too much of the same. You know, I, it's all produced by Greg Perlanti. Right. It's all done in the same manner. Um, while obviously Devil's Advocate would say, well, Marvel's done the same thing and they've had no problem with Kevin Feige making everything. And making it work. Um, Kevin Feige's a great. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, you're right. Kevin Feige has done an excellent job with Marvel. Um, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job of not making everything feel like it's the same. You know, mm-hmm. making some of these things feel different. But still, um, I, I just think Greg Berlanti, has, he just produces too much stuff. Too much stuff that he produces in the same manner. Um, yeah. I, I If, you know, I, maybe some of these shows don't need to be all an hour. Maybe you produce some shows that maybe are half-hour dramas as opposed to an hour. Maybe you, uh, you know, try a show with a different, with, with a completely different producer. Maybe Greg Berlanti is involved, but he's not, you know, one of the, not the, the lead, lead guy. Or maybe you bring in someone else to work in collaboration with Greg Berlanti. Right. We're seeing it now with Naomi yeah. being made by Ava DuVernay. Right. Yeah. You know, that show is going to be, I would assume, a lot different. Than we get from the Flash, or right. you know, a lot different than we and we saw it a little bit so with Black, Black Lightning, Lightning. Yeah, Black yeah. Lightning as well. You know, they need more of that. They need more change of pace as opposed to you know, all right, you know, we're getting rid of and, Supergirl, uh, but Batwoman you know, is basically and, just Supergirl, uh, Star Girl as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of feels yeah. different. Yeah, Star Girl and, and Jeff Johns, you know, kind of more in the lead for Star Girl. It's 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 interesting. The stuff that looks the least like. Berlanti's original villain, re, original vision for the Arrowverse, we all seem to kind of respect and say, hey, you know, this is pretty good, or we kind of, you know, enjoy yes. this. Like, and, and I think that that's a kind of an important takeaway from this. And I don't, I don't want to make this like, oh, Berlanti's the reason why they're not making any money over there on CW. I he earned his money. Right. He, he's, a, he's a great, he's a legend. You know, he's a great creator. And I don't want to put this all on him because making money in, uh, through cable channels right now is hard for just anybody. You know, but I do think that, you know, one, I saw a really great, really great thread on Twitter and apologies to the person that put it out there who apparently did a lot of research in kind of the, the shift between CW after the, you know, they eliminated UPN and uh, and the WB. They pointed out an interesting note that if you remember, you know, at that time, WB and UPN, not UPN. I said I was about to UPN nine because if you're from New York, it was, of course, UPN nine. Remember, they were doing, they were they were doing shows, a lot of shows that had a lot of black leads. You know, they had one on one, the uh, girlfriends, the game, like they, it was. They they really pushed forward a lot my of wife and kids. my wife and kids. Everybody hates Chris. 
they they really pushed a lot. Well, my, well my, I thought my risk was ABC. Am I wrong about that? I thought they were ABC for some reason. They might have. What? What, my what, wife and kids. My wife and kids. Wrong rerun. I think it was. I right. That, they might have the reruns. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. original shows though. Right. Like, right. They had a lot of black original shows. Yeah. And right. when the CW took over, they they eliminated a lot of them. They didn't eliminate all of them. Some of them continued, but the ones that continued didn't last much longer. And you know, CW became a lot less black and more white as time went on. I thought that was an interesting note when you kind of get to this point when we talk about what's profitable and what's not profitable and the CW making this, uh, Warner making this, you know, case that, well, clearly black TV is not profitable and then deciding to get rid of a lot of these shows. I also think what was, what is interesting to note is, again, the CW really centered their stuff on saying, look, we're going to be the superhero network. We talked about this a lot on this podcast. It was kind of, kind of unprecedented to kind of see a channel have so much superhero content on every week. At, it, at points in time, you had literally The Flash, Arrow, Legend of Tomorrow on back-to-back-to-back nights, you know? And now it's normal, but at the time, it was just like, this is unheard of. Like, the superhero shows on almost every night on, on the CW. And and as, when Supergirl came on, it became like four nights in a row. That's when it was like, wow, this is really crazy. And, and they were adding shows, so it was like, how can they sustain this? But I think it is it, it's it means something that at a time where we're talking about this is this age of superhero medium and superhero content is so profitable that a channel trying to center their whole network around superhero shows wasn't able to make profits. I think there are some cautionary tales to be to be learned from this experience, and I think one Kendall pointing out the the kind of form the 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 formulaic kind of rollout of these shows. I think contributed to that. Again, all of them kind of feeling the same, sounding the same, looking the same. And I think a big portion of it too is like you get what you pay for. You know, like the reason why these shows on these other networks or Marvel stuff works is because it looks top notch. It looks legit. There's too much of this CW stuff that just looked cheap it looked like a, a much a, such a big step down from what we were watching in the superhero movies that i think for a lot of people it turned them away once the stories really fell apart you know arrow season seasons one and two and you know flash season one and i guess seasons one and two you know both of those shows you know the stories were so good and, and you know even what maybe little minor things you look at when in terms of like you know budget cuts you know budget restraints and things like that you're able to look past but if you can't keep the creative aspect to it strong, then it's going to be hard to kind of keep people around. I think that that had a big factor in why the CW wasn't able to kind of make this network profitable with the foundation of superheroes as their, as superhero shows as their medium. I think that authenticity is also something that's very important because the Netflix shows didn't have a huge budget either. But... Netflix was able to kind of, I don't. I'm not saying Netflix, the Marvel shows were the were the were the absolute tempo of the Netflix original series, but it was certainly a major foundational point, 100. percent And Netflix is now this this just like juggernaut, obviously, in the in the streaming space and the original content space. And, you know, I think superhero fans they're not just going to take anything, and while I think the the intentions were pure. 
and the the logic was sound in that creating a universe, uh, a shared universe between shows, could be very successful. I think a lack of kind of uh, a true kind of vetting of how you're gonna kind of create, continue to create engaging stories, kind of led to led to some of the struggles that the CW experienced because, you know. The Flash and Arrow and so many shows had just had these miserable runs for long periods of time. It hurts the other shows. It, it makes people less likely to want to kind of dive into these shows, especially when you know it's going to be done by the same creator that's doing a show that you already think is falling apart. So I think there's some cautionary tales to be learned from this experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I basically agree on all accounts. I mean, they just. I wouldn't really say. I wouldn't really point to Berlanti necessarily again. Yeah. Um, it's just about fresh new ideas. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we'll see. We will probably find out. I guess uh, wherever these shows uh, end up, if they end up anywhere. If, if yeah, which they, they could stay. You know, again, if if yeah. if, if this uh, you know again, the Wall Street Journal is is accurate in kind of forecasting that next star would be the favorite to get this uh, to, to to buy the controlling stake. It would keep. Warner Media and CBS as uh, minority owners, and it would it would be a deal where they could they could still produce a lot of the content. But I guess you know the losses they're taking for being you know majority owners, I guess would be a lot less doing it that way. But when you do that, you know again, Next Star is they they own it at that point, so they could decide we don't want to be in the superhero business anymore. Give us something that's different, you know, or they could decide no, we like what you're doing, continue, or or you know they could say hey. Berlanti can't do every single DC show. Like they could do anything. We don't know what they would plan to do, but it, it doesn't completely close the door on some of these shows continuing. But it would certainly, it certainly could lead to some changes. Berlanti I mean, still going to get his, uh, you know, what is, what's his deal? Half a billion dollars or something yeah, like that. Four hundred million. You know, that, yeah, that, that, that check is that check is that check is cash. <laughs> that check is cash, Sam. They ain't getting that money back. That's probably why they sell. That's probably why they selling the company because they're like, "Yo, man, we gave this guy four hundred million, and they." <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that is kind of crazy that you gave that guy four hundred million and you didn't. You weren't even turning profits. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not a. I'm definitely. I'm nothing money. like a financier or a business manager in any way. That seems very odd. Now it's one guy, he, you know. I'm assuming he has a team, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a production. Part. It's a production deal. It's just for his production. I mean, he's he leads the production company. Yeah. He owns. <laughs> some of some of some of his projects aren't all CW. So that they, is true. That's fair. You know, they 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 brought him in. You know, as Warner Media to do the stuff for HBO Max and right, right. DC know, Universe at the time. Yeah, yeah, at the time DC Universe. Um, now, what I'll say is, I mean, look. It, it again. It's we and we sort of said it at the time, but we see it more clearly now. You know, you can like what Greg Berlanti did with Arrow. You can like what he did with the Flash, but I don't want. Imagine saying that, and imagine seeing that, and then saying, "I want Greg Berlanti to make everything, everything DC going forward." You know, imagine looking at the Russos. I like I like <laughs> the Russo brothers Marvel movies, but I don't know if I'd want them to make every MCU movie going forward. Now. Again, Kevin Feige, you know, is a producer on every MCU movie, but uh, it's a lot of power to give to one person. So, right. um, I agree. You know, I, I you know, give some other people some chances. You know, there's some other people that can make good, good DC shows. Uh, Smallville wasn't Greg Berlanti. And that's the original one. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and just like and just and, and you know, and I, we you know, and I also want to give Greg and Merlanti some rope here as well in the sense that look, he he they, he didn't he didn't get the the constraints that DC put on him for characters characters he could use. And, difficult and stuff things, things he couldn't you know stories he couldn't tell because oh we may do a movie and oh wait never mind we're not doing that movie and oh kill that character off because we're going to use them oh wait we're not <laughs> going to use them like that stuff it, i mean it does kneecap him you know and yeah. i understand that and i don't want to you know just again make it all his fault and i, I don't mean it to be i mean it to be kind of a organizational issue that we saw with warner and how they kind of handled the the the, the TV DC stuff that Berlanti was producing for DCW that, that, that hurt it in the end. You know, I, I hope that with, you know, the start of Peacemaker and some of these, you know, other shows that we've seen them do, you know, we've seen Titans and, and Doom Patrol have uh, varying levels of success. I hope that we kind of get to see kind of more shows like that. I just don't think, I'm not sure if the 22 episode episodic, venture is the right venture for superhero shows when you know you're talking about fantastical people who do crazy things like i i think something much shorter where you can kind of you know get the bang for your buck you know marvel doing these six episode and nine episode kind of things you know where you know you're spending a lot of money in the in, in for the to make the budget count but the show stories are shorter i think those certainly work even netflix doing 13 episode stuff made sense to me i would love to see what the flash could do with a 13 episode season that but like with the same exact budget i think you could see something much better i don't know about the story but i think just the how it looks and everything it would look way better than what we get from year to year but they're convinced to fill x amount of weeks throughout the year because that's what they need to do for the sake of the cw network so we get a bunch of filler episodes so just their approach in itself could change a lot of the the outlook for some of these DC shows, but we'll see what happens. We'll continue to kind of follow this uh, impending sale of the CW and see if it affects those DC shows on that network. And it's important because those shows mean a lot to a lot of people. We've covered those shows a lot on this podcast, so we'll keep you guys up to date on that. I do want to wrap the show up with our last story today. A familiar voice will be lending his talents to the X-Men 97 animated series being produced by Marvel Studios. Cal Dodd will be reprising his role as Wolverine for the sh- for the new show more than 25 years after he last played Logan for the original X-Men, X-Men the animated series on Fox. Kendall, are you happy to see Dodd returning as Logan? Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, um definitely definitely excited uh that we're getting Cal Dodd back. I mean, he's, you know, probably, you know, he's one of the more r- recognizable, you know, voices and all superhero animation um that wolverine character is one of the more recognizable memorable characters uh in all the superhero animation so uh definitely excited to, to to get him back um sounds like most of the original cast will be back uh which is exciting uh obviously norm spencer passed away last year so we, uh, the voice of cyclops so um you know, and when we talked about it last year on our show, we didn't necessarily know that this would be coming up. Uh, so that's unfortunate. But, um, but yeah, you know, but other other than other than that, and I know the the original voice actress for Jubilee is going to be uh, reassigned to a different role. Um, 
uh, for the new one as well. Does that but, mean Jubilee is not is not going to be in this show, or is that? Well, no. The original voice actress wasn't Asian, so mm-hmm. ah, they won't, okay. uh, recast. Uh, that's but, that's that, smart. Yeah. yeah. But I think they're going to uh, move her to a different role. So excited to get most of the original cast back. Uh, Dodd being one of the first major pieces, officially. Yeah, because I was like, if they wanted to move on Jubilee, I, I wouldn't mind. But it would be a controversial move, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't, it, I wouldn't necessarily shed no, a tear. If that was don't, the case. don't do that. Especially <laughs> not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sham, well, Sham, how excited are you for Dodd's return? Uh, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. You know, it's 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 great that he can still do the voice. I mean, it's been what has it been twenty years, over twenty yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, the show ended uh, in nineteen ninety six, so yeah, I, it's, there, it's years, twenty five years. <laughs> I feel like voice acting. Almost. I mean, we see it with Mark Hamill. Uh, Adam West is like the obvious example. Adam West sounded like Adam West up until he died. He yeah, passed he away at ninety something or however old he was. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between that. When he's playing Catman on Fairly Odd Parents, for when he was playing Batman, you know, in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like the voice uh, is one of the things that doesn't really age that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Kendall. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it's good that he's able to do the do the role. Um, you know, and I, I personally am glad to have him back. I, I don't think, I think as long as he was up for it, I don't know why you would pick anyone else. Though I did enjoy Steve Bloom's. <laughs> Bloom was the uh, other guy. Oh, Bloom was Bloom was is excellent as Wolverine. Bloom is the other guy where you're like, he's if you really want the to, only other guy. Wanted to shake things up. I mean, he is the best Wolverine. No disrespect. Wow, uh, that's a that's a scolding hot take there. Yeah, no yeah, that's, yeah, that's, quite, that's quite a hot take. Oh yeah, yeah. Steve Bloom's the best Wolverine. And that's that's not a disrespect. Steve Bloom's an amazing voice you know? actor. So yeah, that's I mean, not, Steve Bloom is maybe the greatest. He may be the greatest voice actor of all time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's no disrespect to anybody. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so he, I mean, I love Steve Bloom. So, I mean, that would have been great. But, but, but I think this is, this is his role. And I think this is the best, I think this is the best scenario you could have gotten. Right. Um, so, so I'm glad that he's back. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing him reprise the role and seeing, seeing what uh, new content they have. Yeah, man, I'm stoked, man. You know, Kyle Dodd. His voice as Wolverine is just the definition to me of iconic, um, and 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 what's important is if you're gonna bring back this show and have the feel of the X Men the animated series and it's supposed to be as they say a continuation of that show, to me he is like he you have to do it with him as the voice. I almost would argue if he can't do the voice, you can't continue it and say that it's any kind of uh, inspiration or continuation of the original X-Men the animated series, that Wolverine character is the, the you know, he, he's the he's the temple. He's the foundation of that show. So bringing back Cal Dodd is very exciting, as you guys can hear in my voice. I, I just can't wait for this show. This is one of the most anticipated projects in terms of superhero content that I am looking forward to. I was just, I tweeted today, I was just thinking about, like, all the great, x-men stories that we can now have now that we're doing this new x-men show that hasn't been done at least wasn't done by 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 this team you know uh, wolverine the x-men did some very very good stories as well and they had some great inspirations uh from josh whedon from 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 grant morrison some other great creators uh who have written the x-men over the last you know 20 years but to think of all the the, the stories that you can do with 
this new X-Men series. Like, I was just thinking, like, yo, like, they could do House of M in an animated version with this show. Like, that's on the table. Like, like why can't yes. they do it? You know? They had a Scarlet Witch. They had, uh, obviously, we had Magneto, all the people. You know, you know now, would they, would, how would Marvel feel about combining some of those other Marvel heroes in it? You know, that might be. That's question. 100% what they're going to do. You think that's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that. I don't know about them, but 100% we're going to see. This is going to be. Episode of the Black Panther. And their amazing yeah. friends. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's what you would hope, you know? Like, that's, like, otherwise, again, then why would you do it? You know? Yeah. But, yeah. like, you know, and that House of M, and that's a, you know, House of M, Avenger vs. X-Men, those are the major, major crossovers. But, again, there are a lot of other um, stories you could tell Yeah, about. characters. I mean, X-23 wasn't, I mean, you know, wasn't around before that show came out. But now you can include an X-23 character. Yeah. Yep. Logan and X-23 story. Yeah, and this show wasn't afraid to do the more crazy, no. uh, more way out there. Yeah, out there. Storylines. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll. Introduced uh, Krakoa, Krakoa, or 100%. you know some of the newer stuff that they've been doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you could introduce the Messiah Complex. You introduce Hope Hope Summers. Like there's, yeah, yeah. like it's just is is again the possibilities are endless, which is why, you know, for so many years, people like myself and you guys and so many other X Men fans had just been begging for them to please do an X Men cartoon it just was it was just too easy to me there was too many great stories that we had seen and shout out to a lot of the great creative for you know marvel's comic book division kind of excommunicated the x-men um uh, as they you know once they decided they weren't gonna really promote you know properties that were owned by fox for the movies or other you know places but, but prior to that I mean, we got some really great x-men stories from the ultimate x-men from the astonishing x-men from the new x-men there were a lot of different Things that again we never got to see done on the the major scale of an animated series, and you know the X Men movies, you know they kind of went in their own way. You know they kind of and the other thing was they kept kind of doing the same thing. They did the Dark Phoenix saga twice. You know, um, you know so that that helps you out. They already did Day of the Future Past, which X Men uh, the animated series already did. So there's plenty of meat on the bone for things that that we haven't seen. We haven't seen a full Age of Age of Apocalypse story yet. Age of Apocalypse was teased, spoiler alert, at the end of uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, but we never got a season two, so we never got to see how it would have played out. Like, I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Age of Apocalypse happened in the 90s, and we never got to actually see an Age of Apocalypse story play out in that cartoon because it came out, you know, as the cartoon was on. So uh, I'm just really excited, man. And, and, you know, Cal Dodd coming back on the series just, just kind of adds to that excitement, but possibilities are endless and i'm just happy that marvel is is truly investing in its animation division because you know it's the one thing that dc is has hammered them over you know that dc's animation even in this little bit of a down period they've had over the last uh let's say five or six years they've still hammered marvel because marvel hasn't even really invested in it in any way or their investments that they have made haven't really cracked through to, to be anything worthwhile this project has a chance to really change the game, so I'm really excited to see what they end up doing with all this stuff. That's going to do it for this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I want to thank my co-hosts, Shamari and Kendall, for checking it, for hanging out with me for this, uh, this hour or so. I want to uh, thank our listeners for, for listening to us for this hour. Of course, if 
you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube content, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod. Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And you can find us individually on social media. Shamar can be found on Twitter and Snap. Oh, excuse me, on Instagram and Snapchat, MCSham22. Kendall can be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys again for checking us out. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>